In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today is Trinity Sunday, a day the church sets aside each year, always this first Sunday after Pentecost, to reflect on the doctrine of the Trinity. This is the Christian understanding arrived at after many years of discernment in the early church that we know are one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some theologians have pointed out that in the doctrine of the Trinity, we're actually trying to say not three things about God, but two. That God is far off and beyond us, absolute and unapproachable. And at the same time that God draws near to us, as the incarnate Son, Jesus, and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. These two, beyondness and nearness, transcendence and imminence, are held together in tension if we're going to have an understanding or experience of the God that's revealed to us in Scripture. We see these two, transcendence and imminence, held together in tension in today's passage from Isaiah. Here, Isaiah has an intense experience of God. He begins his account saying, in the year King Uzziah died. So right off the bat, Isaiah sets his experience in time, in place, in history. King Uzziah had a long reign, some 50 years. Not only that, but his reign was characterized by economic prosperity, military power, political influence, and perhaps most importantly of all, peace. Uzziah's death had to have been disoriented for many Judeans, most of whom had never known another king in their entire life. Did the king's death signal that difficult times lay ahead? All of this anxiety and uncertainty must have been playing through Isaiah's mind as he came this day for worship. Isaiah's experience takes place in the temple the innermost portion of which is known as the Holy of Holies. It housed the Ark of the Covenant, which was understood to be God's earthly throne. In Isaiah's vision, the carved creatures that decorate the Ark come to life, and the distinction between the earthly temple and God's heavenly abode blurs. God sits high upon a throne, his majesty represented by the hem of his robe that flows out from this holy place and fills the temple. Nor can the temple contain God's majesty, for as the seraphim announced, the earth is full of God's glory. The imagery is clear. While King Uzziah's reign is no more, our awesome and exalted God continues to reign. Like a cloud, smoke veils God's presence, even as it reveals it, the impenetrable mystery of the divine. Even the heavenly seraphim dare not look directly at the divine presence, covering their face with their wings. The throne, the seraphim, the shaking of the foundations of the temple, the smoke, the ceaseless homage of holy, 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 all this is the experience of the unapproachable, mysterious, infinitely transcendent God. But <laughs> then we have Isaiah's reaction to being in the presence of this holy and holy other God. Almost involuntarily, he says, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Now, Seraph uses tongs to bring a live coal from the altar and touches it to Isaiah's lips, saying, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin has been blotted out. Isaiah is suddenly, passionately, intimately touched by a hands-on God. He's able to confess his sin, be cleansed of his guilt, and receive a changed heart. Here we see our majestic, holy God drawing near to his human creatures to touch, to accept, and to forgive. We see God who does reveal God's self. We see God near and imminent. God is transcendent and God is imminent. We must hold this truth about the nature of God together. We've not always been very successful at this. In the medieval church prior to the Reformation, it was God's transcendence that had gotten all out of proportion. The withdrawing of the cup from the laity was part of this imbalance. How could the people be trusted not to spill God on the floor? Better to avoid God's potential disrespect and anger and just not give it to him at all. Martin Luther agonized over how he could possibly find peace or acceptance from this unapproachable and angry God. In his reading of scripture, he found and he recovered for the church the God that draws near to us in Christ, offering peace and forgiveness and love through no efforts of our own. Today we might argue that we've swung too far in this direction. We think of God as Buddy, as a cosmic Santa Claus that grants our requests. We ask him to help us find parking spots. We ask his blessing on our sporting events. We are confident that God loves us without making any demands on us. If God is known only in his nearness as reassuring, then God's awesome demands for integrity, honesty, justice, and truth are seated. Love for God and neighbor becomes soft and sentimental instead of challenging us to do the hard work of becoming the best version of ourselves. When we give too much weight to the beyondness of God, our faith experience becomes too cold and remote. But when we give too much weight to the nearness of God, our faith experience becomes too warm and shallow. So where can we recover this held intention balance of God's transcendence and His imminence? We can do so right here in worship. Isaiah, you recall, is in the midst of worship when he has this encounter. The scene begins with praise and adoration of God. In experiencing the awesomeness of God, Isaiah is led to confess his sin, his, his feelings of unworthiness. The seraph cleanses Isaiah's lips with that live coal, a most powerful image of God's forgiveness. And only then is Isaiah ready to hear God's call. Our worship service takes this shape as well. We come in singing songs of praise and giving glory to Almighty God. As we are reminded of His awesomeness, we are made aware of our own shortcomings and brokenness, and we confess our sins. We receive absolution, the grace of forgiveness. 
we are intimately touched and fed by God in the Eucharist. And then we're ready to hear how God wants us to respond on his behalf as we leave worship and return to the world. In worship, I frequently experience the mystery of God, the high and holy one bending down to touch me in love and assurance and hope. In worship, the mystery of beyondness and nearness comes alive. God is far off, unapproachable, mysterious, and yet amazingly, the same unapproachable God comes down low. God draws near like a child born in a stable, like a dying man spreading his arms wide upon the cross, like bread on our tongue. We have been formed by years of worship among this community of faith. We can walk in the assurance that the God whom we gather to worship, who is altogether beyond us, high and lifted up in wisdom and power, is also intimately near to us, all of us and each of us, dwelling within us, caring for us, and loving us. When we're held by the strength of God the Father and know the love of God the Son and Holy Spirit, then we're able to confidently respond to God with the faithful words of Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. Amen.